1: Hi everybody, Andrew Gormley, CEO of Classic Flyers here. If you're interested in classic aviation, and you want to get up close and personal to old aircraft and see some of New Zealand's aviation history, come across the Classic Flyers. Jean Batten Drive, Mount Maunganui, right on the edge of the airport. You can go for flights in old airplanes like Boeing Stearmans and Harvards. There's lots to see. Kids' parties happening here all the time. We have functions and function rooms, business meetings, and a great cafe with excellent coffee. If you'd like to be involved with Classic Flyers, we also have the volunteer groups who do all things from helping out with function work or just on the main hangar floor with visitors and guests or birthday parties, right through to engineers who get involved in restoring some of our wonderful old aircraft assets. Currently, at the moment, we've got a Grumman Avenger being restored and a de Havilland single-seat FB5 Vampire. These things are all part of New Zealand's aviation history. It's a great place, and it's in a good location. Come and have a visit. Check out the website on www.classicflyersnz.com Extended.
2: Hi, this is Peter Johnson from aerospace radio station Extended, and we bring you some of Europe's best guests. He's he's been something of of an unsung hero of the American space programme, outside those who have made it their business to become aficionados of it. News. Some people will call you mad. Some people will call you heroes. uh, uh, And everyone else is probably somewhere in that spectrum. It's it's an amazing project to, to pull together from literally from scratch. And views. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and learn from that experience. And that's not an easy thing to do, Peter, learning from your own failure. So why not give us a listen? If you want to hear about warbirds, aviation and the aerospace industry, Come over and
0: give us a visit. Aviation extended.co.uk. And remember, there's no E at the beginning of extended. Extended. The Wings Over New Zealand Show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Flight DC3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC3 Dakota, and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand Show with Dave Homewood. Uh, coming up next, we've got Alex Liggett of uh, Ferrymead who's going to um, talk about the mosquito restoration.
2: So, so my name's Alex Liggett, I'm the um, president of the Ferramedia Aeronautical Society. Um, If you want to know how you become the president of a small voluntary organisation, you you look up at the wrong moment during the AGM and suddenly the job is magically yours. (laughs) So um, the first thing I'll do is I'll show you a short film clip. This film was uh, brought to our attention about uh, 12 uh, 12 months ago by by a lady named uh, Rosemary Greenlaw. Uh, her father was a mosquito pilot on 487 Squadron uh, during the closing stages of the Second World War, and she'd seen this film and, and uh, recognised her father in it, and she wondered whether it was, in fact, our aircraft, because we'd known that he'd, his, his, uh, squadron leader Jack Dempsey had flown HR-339. And um, we're kind of astonished to discover that, yeah, this really is a, a, the first piece of film footage we've seen. We've never had any wartime pictures, we've never had any film footage of the aircraft until now, and, it's, and we're able to positively identify it by uh, the markings on the aircraft and the damage on it, or you, you can barely make out the markings, but you can certainly recognise the damage, and that lined up with the, uh, with the date. So the aircraft returning from Operation Clarion, uh, it was attacking a stationary train when it was hit by flat. So you see it's coming, he's coming in on one so that's um, Jack Dempsey and his navigator, uh, Flight Sergeant Ted Page who's an Australian and That's it's a cannon shell that's gone through the nose without going off so luck- very lucky not to hit anything it's the tailplane, plane which uh, the cannon shell's obviously gone off and blown the skin off and it's a reasonably big hole as you'll see from the fact that Ted's standing in it oh. so the amazing thing about that is, um, so that's how we're able to Establish the, the markings on the aircraft um, for the first time, which is so we can present them in a beautiful, in Anthony's beautiful model. Um, so, so the two, the the Aeronautical Society, which is part of the, uh, it's part of the uh, of the wider Ferrymed Heritage Park, and uh, there's two, we have the remains of two Mosquito aircraft there. The first one is HR339, which is the one you just saw in the film. The photo at the bottom right is the only photo we have, and that's a sort of potted biography of the aircraft. It was built in 1944, um, it flew on 30 operations in the late stages of the war and then uh, was stored until 47, when the RNZAF was issued uh, a, around 80 Mosquito FB-6 aircraft and it was amongst those flown out to New Zealand. Most of them, the 75 squadron only stood up a, a small number of aircraft and the, and the balance went into storage. An HR-339 was one of those that, that was being flown to storage and it had an accident at Wigram and it ended up being uh, basically stripped of parts and eventually it was sold to Bruce Goodwin in Pigeon Bay who just uh, dismantled it, sawed it, the fuselage in three, sawed the wing into four and, and trucked it away to Pigeon Bay over on Banks Peninsula. And it was, um, it was discovered there, or sort of identified there by the members of the Aviation Historic Society in the, uh, in the early 1970s and eventually recovered by what became the Ferry Media and Oracle Society. Um, and so we have the, the wing in four pieces the fuselage aft of the uh, sort of um, the, the last 10 feet of the fuselage, the engine cowls cells, fin rudder, the, the tail feathers basically, less the tailplane, the nose cone, the radiator fairings, and the undercarriage. So the other aircraft is um, NZ2328 or T758. Um, it was built in 1945, again at Standard Motors, and it was never, uh, it was never, never saw any wartime service. Um, It was um, flown out to New Zealand 47, issued to the RNZAF and flew on 75 Squadron, and it had quite a few adventures along the way. The the photo on the left, Dave actually turned up in a a former 75 Squadron pilot's logbook, the uh, undercarriage bay door being ripped away in flight, and that was a very near, just about lost the aircraft didn't they? Um, It was sold to aircraft suppliers who uh, were because you're trying to fly aircraft, fly mosquito aircraft out of the out of the country, they obviously the first one got away, which is PZ474, the aircraft that we saw recently flown from abspex. Um They the, the government put a halt to that because they were um, worried that they were going to be going off to South America to do nefarious things, and so ours was eventually acquired by Jazz Clark, who was a MP, was an MP or a, a councillor down in Omaru and. Um, they sawed the wings off the aircraft and burnt them, and then they um, transported the fuselage from Woodburn to Omeroo, behind a farm tractor. I looked it up this morning, it's 570 kilometers from Woodburn to Mahima.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so in 72, uh, Ferrymead acquired the, uh, the fuselage and the fin and rudder from um, from Mr. Clark, and then later on, he sort of sold off his other aviation holdings, including the props, which we managed to acquire. Um, the Hudson that, was, that came from this, the one here isn't it, I believe. Um, and at some stage, uh, in the 70s, they, um, the Society also managed to acquire some, a couple of Rolls-Royce Merlin engines that were found uh, behind a motor garage in, uh, in uh, Highcliffe Motors in Dunedin. They uh, have been intended to be used in a powerboat, so they we're a bit lucky to get hold of those. So the goal is to, uh, is to restore it to, to the aircraft to static display. Um, we try and do as repairs as far as possible, sort of both as far as financially possible and also practically by the book. The book, the book doesn't cover chainsawing the aircraft into seven pieces, and so um, there is a little bit of licence taken. Um, we try not to do anything that would compromise a future fly, but realistically, I mean, it's millions of dollars away from flying, and, and actually I would say it's too valuable a, a um, historic, uh, historic artefact to fly. Um, we're completing and marking the aircraft in its February 1945 fit, basically as you saw it in the film, or preferably before it went out on that operation. Um, and that includes the radio fit, which is, um, you know, is a much more Spartan radio fit than what they ended up with out here. Also, uh, 2328, which is the fuselage that we'll be using, is, uh, was a rocket-armed aircraft, and so we have to reverse those mods, uh, and, or yeah, any sort of post-war modifications. So the uh, the marking scheme you see there was um, bath prepared for us. I very much appreciate that. It's, um, it's it's sort of really nice to finally have a sort of tangible goal to work towards, and it's incredible seeing it presented in, in kit set form as well. It really gives us something to shoot at. So the team there's um, there's, there's actually um, there's uh, seven of us on the team. There's a, a new team member who's actually sitting up the back today. Um, Dad Guest, who's a um, who's a petty officer aircraft Artificer in the Royal Navy Fleet Air Arm. He's a, um, he was a Phantoms and Wessex Helicopters and Wasp Helicopters. And he came out to New Zealand and became an uh, aircraft engineer at Airwork and then eventually started his own cabinet-making business. So aircraft engineer, cabinet maker, perfect man for the job. He's, got, he's been involved with, with the society for many years and he's got connections with most of the other mosquito projects in the, uh, that are around the world. And obviously a vast woodwork, metalwork and aircraft engineering expertise. I have no aeronautical engineering background, I'm a surveyor, I've been a volunteer for 10 years. Um, My sort of super skills is more in research, documentation, uh, inventory, making sure we know where everything is and everything goes. Uh, Acquiring bits, social media, keeping you guys updated. Uh, I do do sort of the the simpler, I do the flat woodwork, he does the curving stuff. and, and parts assembly. <coughs> Angus, who's a retired uh, New Zealand post office radio technician, he's also a uh, semi-retired mental health nurse, which is quite handy in uh, <laughs> volunteer group. <laughs> uh, he's been a volunteer since 2017 and he's just amazing on the, on the restoration of electrical equipment and wiring. Uh, George Kamicius is a uh, retired civil engineer from Lithuania, he's, a, he's only been volunteering since earlier this year. He's, uh, English isn't great but he's, he's just a craftsman and uh, you ask them to do a job, you give them a drawing, it gets done. Tom McLean's a pest controller. He's been a volunteer for uh, three years. He's, uh, he's mostly worked on the engine restoration. Then KH, who uh, likes to remain anonymous, but is a uh, enthusiastic recreational pilot, who's been a volunteer, I think, since the late 90s, and who uh, spends a lot of time on uh, the sort of detail. We basically send stuff away to, we, we work away on the weekends, and we send stuff away to Hallswell, to Deggy's place, and um, KH and Deg finish stuff off and it just magically appears all, all perfect and ready to go back on the aircraft. Um, so, re, so reference material, so the first thing is um, AP-2019E, so that's the, the Bible on the Mosquito, um, servicing a descriptive handbook which has all sorts of useful, uh, his wiring diagrams and stuff, but also useful sort of schematics like the one on the left, and a schedule of spare parts which is not illustrated, so um, it's good for matching a number to a part, sometimes finding out where it is. The other one is the uh, Swedish Air Force NF-19 illustrated parts manual, 590 odd pages translated into English by Bob Glasby at the uh, De Havilland Museum. He's not a native Swedish speaker I don't think, so that's a fairly heroic piece of work. Then uh, the um, mod sheets for the FB6 which uh, Anthony Galbraith sourced for us, one of the many things that Anthony Galbraith has done for the for many people. Um, so there's about 1200 pages of dialogue and diagrams and it's really useful for identifying where we need to get back to in, a, in terms of modifications and for establishing uh, a fit. I feel like we've missed a slide somewhere along the line. So, basically there's also, we also have um, photos of, uh, it's about 7,500 photos, about 2,500 of all the other, or um, the various mosquito projects around the world. Um, and about 5,000 of our own. So every time something gets taken off, photographs get taken so we know how to put it back on basically and they're all tagged so that we can easily find our way back to an individual uh, part of the aircraft or an individual photo so in terms of progress um, 1970s the aircraft was recovered and from then to the 90s most of what happened was um, just research the accumulation of parts and um, they did build up an undercarriage assembly which you can see on the top right of the right hand photograph in 2006 a purpose built workshop was completed I mean, we really needed a separate workshop not just for the space but also because we create a hell of a lot of sawdust and the other guys don't like it for some reason, especially balsa wood sawdust is really manky. Um, so 2006 to 2009, the, the fuselage had sat uh, under a row of macrocarpa hedges and so once the port side was sheltered from the rain, the starboard side was on the drip line and so it's, was, there's quite a lot of damage along the starboard side. and so. The work on that sort of started in the the early, that was one of the early things, was the the patches down the fuselage you can see in the bottom right photo. And also the started work on restoring the the first of the engines, which is the uh, the starboard engine. They're identifiable by a couple of different components on the two. Um, um, Later on, the next thing, once we've got those repairs done, was we um, started, basically we're working away from the the aft end of the fuselage forwards. And so the two bulkheads that carry the tail fin the, anywhere where there's an opening in the fabric, the water had got in and rotted away the the uh, the, the bulkheads and so and and the internal structure. So um, the, the bulk and I, unfortunately I joined the team at this point and I was the smallest, so I ended up the one getting fed up the fuselage to uh, to cut the rotten timber out of the bulkhead. And so the photo on the top left is all the bits that went into bulkhead six. And um, and so to take if you look at this sort of photo, this the, the sort of um, second from the right photo on the top, you can see the damage around the bulkhead, but also all the fittings on it, all of those had to come off, all of those bolts to save time and to save materials, they didn't lock nut them, they just do the bolts up, the bolts just just a little bit longer than necessary to cover the for the nut to cover it, and then they just rivet the end over the hammer. And so all of those bolts to take them out they have to get in there with the power file and file the peening off the end of them. Um, any skin repairs, like you can see, um, you see on the, um, the photograph, looking down on the fuselage, the second from the bottom right, um, there's, you have to um, feather any, any woodwork repairs. You try and get an overlap between the old and the new of 1 and 10. So that means feathering out the skin around about an inch, trying to get a nice gradient between the old and the, and the new skin. And that's, um, when it's fine plywood, that's a, a bit of an art to try and get that happening. So then we moved on once we have done the, the tail end. So you see, sorry, just quickly. Back to that one. No, okay. Um, on the, the Bombay, the aircraft had. Oh, there right, go. Back to that. Sorry, just on the bottom left. The, there was a trial fitting of the fin, which we did in uh, did a couple of years ago. So we actually will have the tail assembly on the aircraft in the next probably 12 months or so. Um, so we're really starting to get some progress going back there. Um, in the bombay the aircraft had when it was in Omaru, um it was sitting on two stacks of sleepers that were just sitting under the bombay and there's no structural there's no no sort of solid structure in the sides of the bombay it's just an aerodynamic fairing and so it had completely crushed in a lot of timber um, broken or rotten away and so it's a huge sort of amount of work to repair that um, and, um, and and it's not just a case of sort of pull a piece of timber out and screw another one in there's a lot of um, Getting the um, getting the doors so that all the hinges there's three hinges on the bomb doors they all have to line up and the doors have to line up with the fuselage when it goes back when they close back up so it takes a lot of put the door on fiddle around doesn't quite work take the water out sand it put it back and trial fit number 1500 and maybe you'll get it to work so um, that's what it looks like now um, so and so all the hydraulic pipes up on the on the left hand side there they've all come out they um, they're quite hard, they, they, when they were originally put in, they annealed them before they put them in, so they were nice and malleable. Now, without wanting to anneal all, every single one, because it just too, takes too long, um, they don't, really don't want to go back in. Um, also, the aircraft was originally fitted out in two halves before they assembled the two halves of the fuselage together like a kit set, and so um, a lot of it was never sort of meant to be taken out and doesn't really want to come out. So you can see on the, the photos from the outside how much sort of the skin repairs also on the outside at the same time. Along with that, this is looking, um, this is in the Bombay uh, in the fuselage looking at the, the bulkhead at the back end of the Bombay. and so again a lot of damage there caused mainly by the, the sitting on the sleepers. The sort of pulley arrangement you can see there is the elevator differential and counterweight and, um, and the, um, there's also the pulleys for the rudder cables there and so they've come out. Um, that's all now cabled and trussed back up again. And just stuff like the the bottom right-hand photo is the top of that bulkhead. There's the power supply for the um, for the remote compass there, which had clearly just been ripped off, and so there was a massive hole. They're just annoying things that you think, oh, I could have just unbolted it, you know. So then we went into, uh, we, we sort of started small with this, but fabricing, replacing the fabric. So the aircraft is covered in, in Egyptian cotton. Well, it was originally um, fabric similar to Egyptian cotton, but uh, we um doping and fabricing we sort of learnt as we went we started with the fin then we did the tail planes and uh and we then moved on to the fuselage um you it's a it's a reasonably lengthy process you um start by you know really tautening down the fabric and pinning it at the edges and then doping around the outside to sort of stick it down and then filling in the center and um try and it's fairly antisocial work the um it stinks really badly and so try not to do it when there's anyone else around, um, or we, the, you know, the two of us that work on it. And so, um, yeah, it's trying to fit it in around other activities. Um, so we got to the point now where the fuselage is pretty much entirely fabriced. We just, there's a f- uh, up to the, up to the wings. Um, we just need to um, put a few tapes on and then we can put the uh, aluminium dope that goes over the, the top coat over that, that we can paint over. So, um... Meanwhile, um, the guy's just about finished the the starboard engine, Um, unfortunately the the guy was working on that, he sadly passed away at the start of uh, 2018, uh, but uh, Tom's taken that over and uh, and they've now moved on to the port engine, so you can see it's outside there being being blasted, and uh, and that's actually now um, substantially complete, because having the first one there, the second one's a lot easier, having the first one as as a reference. So in the meantime, the fuselage guys, we moved on to the, uh, to the damage inside and, uh, and the cannon bay uh, which is so the forward end of the, the opening under the fuselage and again the same thing, it had been sitting on the stack of sleepers that had smashed up the, uh, the side walls and so again quite a lot of wood cut out and replaced and a lot of rot and, uh, and again having this problem of trying to line up all the hinge points of the doors and also at the same time any repair you do seems to just get bigger and bigger and bigger so this started out we'll just repair the corner where the hinge point goes and we ended up going halfway through the cockpit um, just to try and find where the rot stopped so you can see on the bottom right that that's all pretty much buttoned back up now And, um, and again all those pipes have been off and cleaned and gone back on and in the meantime we work on the cockpit um, this, is the, this is the side wall of the cockpit, and again the rot had gone basically through the in, all the way through to the inside, and so uh, it was a fair bit of uh, work on replacing skins there, replacing solid spruce, packing it out with balsa and then a new skin over the outside, and all the time trying to retain the shape of the, the curve of the fuselage. Um, uh, in the meantime I've been. Uh, Working the way through the uh, cockpit floor, which is flat, so much easier to do. Um, the co- on the cockpit floor, you can see that um, if you look at the bottom right photo, you might be able to make out there's a couple of sort of rails running along the floor of the cockpit, and unfortunately, they worked really well as to trap water when it was sitting outside, and so the floor was pretty rotten at that point. We managed to save the underside, the bottom skin of it like the rest of the mosquito it's just built of a sheet of plywood a layer of balsa wood with some spruce running through to stiffen it up and then a layer of the layer of plywood on the top and so um, basically take all the fittings off the top of it take the rails off there's the the middle green photo there is the brackets underneath um, that support the cannon barrels and so they all came off um, some of them there's 14 bolts holding each one off on and none of those bolts wanted to come out sometimes the uh, the bracket came out in pieces, um, and then you know remanufacture. And so the bottom bottom left hand shot is um, new wood going in to s- stiffen up the um, the cockpit floor. So this is actually looking down at the cockpit floor. Um, the control column bolts about there, and so that's the, the um, rear bulky where the sort of navigator and go. The pilot seat is about here. Um, so all that again, wood. Every time you're putting a piece of wood in, you're trying to get that one in ten. Plain, so, you know, you cut your piece of wood, you get your one and ten going on. You take, oh shit, it's two, three millimetres too long. I'll go and sand it. Oh, it's a bit too long. Go and sand it. Oh, bugger, it's a bit too short. Start again. <laughs> and then um, you see in the, in the middle there, there's the, um, the two um, new rails for the footboards and the pieces going in between. There's a square plate there with a hole in the middle. That's, um, we've got a young fellow, he's about 17. He's a student at uh, St Andrews College. St Andrews College has got all the toys, got, they've got a 3D printer, they've got a laser cutter, so we're really, um, we're loving that, it's a shame you can't stay at school a few years longer. Because, um, uh, yeah, the, so that, that piece of wood there was cut on the laser cutter. Um, There's not too many pieces of ply on the aircraft, small enough for this laser cutter unfortunately, but um, that's a it's a cool piece of technology and it's cool to be trying to apply it to this 70 year old aircraft. Um, and then, so, you know, with that, that floor basically finished now, we're um, starting work on the big, this, is the, this will be the hardest repair we have to do. And once, you know, we figured that, we haven't really looked at the wings, but we figured that they will be easier than this. Um, so this is where the cockpit was basically sitting in the drip line of the trees, and, and so the cockpit wall on the starboard side has just rotted away down to about the midline of the wing. Uh, and so we're gradually working away at that the photo at the bottom is the aperture where the radio antenna goes through there again water had got in so there's quite a bit of rot there and then also the dinghy sits behind the uh, behind the canopy and that area had just been completely cut out like looked like it had been sawn out um, and so basically make a whole lot of parts from scratch and, uh, and glue them again again and again always trying to retain that trying to retain the original shape um, so that everything fits together when we're finished in the meantime, there's just endless work going on behind the scenes that you don't see if you... I mean, you have to, it's, in, it's all hidden away in boxes, because it's just ready to go back on the aircraft whenever we're ready for it. So on the left, is the armaments panel from the, the cockpit. There's the, the um, centre, centre, there's the uh, armaments relays from underneath the navigator's floor. That's all been... all the wires re-terminated where they'd perished. Um, the bottom is the main fuse box, so we got a whole lot of parts to replace that, to to, to uh, replace what was missing from that. Inside that, it's signed by the woman who assembled it in nineteen forty-five. For That one, it's off two three two eight. So um, her name was Eileen. And um, the uh, the then there's the main instrument, left-hand instrument panel from the cockpit, and you see that the. The uh, in the top photo there that there's a brown sort of area at the bottom that, that was the top half was all we had and so Diggy actually made a new one out of Paxilene, um, epoxied it together and you wouldn't know it had ever been joined together if you look at it now, so we're gradually putting instruments and wiring into that now and on the right hand side is the power supply for the G navigation radio which we recovered from a skip about two months ago, it's amazing what's out there still, I'd been looking I'd been looking in the states and I would have Happily paid several hundred dollars for it, but if it's going to turn up in the skip, that's fine too. So, um, I managed to get through it reasonably quick, Dave. It was a lot quicker than I thought. Um, how, how you can help us? So, um, the big thing is um, keep, keep watching. Like, we get lots of, you know, there's a Facebook page, it's Dave's forum. I try and do updates on there. It's a little bit hard to get the photos on there, but um, really appreciate It's really a good feel to get um, the feedback. Um, just so that people are watching. We're not just, um, you know, chugging away on our own. Spread the word, tell people it's there. Um, you know, if people are interested in aircraft, we've got a collection of aircraft there, we're happy to show it to people. If, you, um, if you're a practical type of person, the, there's a small team at FerryMead, there's only ever about 10 volunteers there and we'd love to have more people. If you're a practical sort of person and you can give up your Saturdays, then um, we'd love to love to hear from you. And then how we can help you. I mean, we um, We're always happy to help modelers, historians, enthusiasts. Um, We've got sack loads of information on the aircraft and on the other aircraft in the collection. And and it's really, it's a public museum. It's there for you guys. And so, um, you know, get in touch if you need any information or if you want to know stuff, or if you want to just come and have a look. We're always happy. Um, The other, um, I mean, I guess the other thing about um, doing this is you still think, well, why do you do it? you know, why, um, I could, you know, why do you do this stuff on Saturday rather than going and you know, doing any, any other hobby? But, um, and it started out, I, I was just kind of interested in aircraft. I wasn't really that interested in the mosquito, to be honest. Um, and I just emailed Dennis Jones and said, you know, can I come and sweep the hangar floor? And, the, you know, two weeks later I was putting bits onto a Rolls-Royce Merlin. Um, and you go through a phase of thinking, oh, um, yeah, this is really exciting and new and fun and then you go through a phase of going we're never we going to finish this thing you know this is a lifetime's work we're never going to get there and if you manage to fight your way through that you get into a phase where you actually just enjoy the journey you just enjoy pottering away in a workshop and, and being, you gradually move into a phase of being totally obsessive and to like almost to the level of derangement about the thing <laughs> and if any of you have seen my posts on Anthony's um, build thread for that you'll see what I mean you uh, you can fixate on the details. Um, so, any questions? Huh? You got so you got propellers, boy, have you? Sorry. You got propellers. Yes, we have got, got propellers. propellers. They um, they came from um, from Clarks. So the so the tailplane that we've got. So we never got never got a tailplane from any of the original part sources. The tailplanes came from um, they're actually built by Glenn Powell. And he, uh, he built a non flying set of tailplanes as a sort of test article before he built the tailplanes for K114. And, um, and we swapped those for some bits. So that was a real score. Was, he reckoned it was about 50 grand's worth in there. So that was a huge thing. And you know, like the, the way this, is, this thing is funded, I probably should say, you know, the, the Aeronautical Society is entirely funded by donations. It gets nothing off the gate takings because there just isn't any left over. Um, none of the societies get funded from the gate takings of the park. And so it's funded by donations, and a lot of those donations come from the people in this room, um, which is really amazing, and we're really um, just so happy about. Um, but the projects themselves are often just funded out of our own pockets. Uh, you know, the particularly Daggy and I just just put money into it because, you know, what else? You know, it's a hobby. It's what we do. It's a fun thing to do on us do on a Saturday. Uh, any other questions? Yeah. Not much a question, but sure.
1: And when I was about four years old,
2: I made appointments in about 1955. I used to climb up in the cockpit. In the cockpit? In the
0: cockpit. It was up, just up away from us.
2: In, the, in Pigeon
0: Bay? In Pigeon Bay, I'm from right. And I also knew about... Well, I
2: didn't know. it, I think you didn't know about the rest of the You don't happen to know what happened to the cockpit? Because <laughs> it was... No, the cockpit never never came to it was the, was the, the nose cap, yes, that was the only bit that came to ferromat. Uh no, the no the cannon fairing was never never there. Um, the only other part from the nose was that possibly there's a second machine gun deck there which might have been off. Three three nine. Don't so know. Certain, certainly no second, we have actually just turned up a second a plate but it's coming from the North Island so... Right. There
1: was nothing in the cockpit, it
2: was just stripped.
0: Yeah. least a
2: plant, we're told it was a mosquito and it's better with you and it always brings all around you. Yes, yeah, so the way every, every part is attached to the inside of the um, balsa wood, obviously you can't just Bolt through to the outside is that they have a um, nuts captive in a, in a piece of resin basically that's then glued into the <laughs> on, a, on a circular circular piece of plywood that's then glued and nailed onto the onto the onto and into the skin um, and then then that's everything is bolted onto those and there's hundreds of them
0: crush.
2: yeah. Yes, well, you're part of the reason that it's, uh, that it's still there. And I've
0: also been on the big truck to survey it and then to bring it back. And also we've got the truck to bring back to the other skipper too. Right. It may have been there at that time, but I will just stop bringing it together. Oh, come down
1: and see us. about colour skips too. Yeah. Some
2: interesting information about that. Hmm. All right.
1: All those
0: super
2: cool, are the uh, birthing strips too for the uprights? Really Oh yes, there's there's bonding strips all the way through everywhere, yeah. (laughs)
1: Have (laughs) you (laughs) asked
2: world intimate aspects for a few off-cuts? Yes, yes, it's a sensitive matter. Any last questions? Actually I have a question, are you looking for people with expertise and the same mental illness to come and volunteer? Absolutely. But as long as they as long as they are practical people who have their Saturdays free, those are the two criteria.
1: Yeah.
2: Very good. Um, interest in aircraft is a um, is a useful bonus. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much Alex.
0: That was the Wings over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.